to think we, used, we were alike. I mean, we were similar. We had something together, like this. You know what I mean? We thought alike, we felt the same way. But you, fuck you. Did you know that Christopher Walken's friends sometimes call him Ronnie? No, I did not know that. No, I did not know that. <laughs> Do you know why they call him Ronnie? Because he killed Natalie Wood. Uh, that's a le- that's a leap in logic. No, his <laughs> real name is Ronald. Oh, really? Uh huh. Ronald Walken. I-, I mean, I assume it's Ronald Walken. It's probably like Ronald Thompson or something. <laughs> Call me Ronnie again. Stab you in the face. <laughs> Soldering iron. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I don't know what his real last name even would be because I read something. I, for some reason, I have Christopher Walken facts today. He, um, the reason that he thinks that he's got like such a, uh, like a like a like a stilted speech pattern, like the reason he talks the way he does, is because English was not his first language. So he learned how to speak English from like English as a second language speakers. What was his first language? I don't know. Well, you're the one with the facts. I have right? half don't, of them. I've got half a Snapple cap. Don't come to me with half-baked facts. It's a new segment, Half-Baked Facts with Dr. Dick Nuts. <laughs> you know, that would be really great. Be like, you know how Ronald McDonald got his, his full name? He was named after a kid. Whose kid? I don't know. It's like a Snapple cap. that, like you, you, un, you undo it, you read it. And then it just a hand comes out and like grabs your eye. No, it's like, do you remember when we were kids and like uh, you would the, you would go to the store and get the sodas where you would win free shit on the bottom of the cap and you would try yeah. to like look into the cap, but you couldn't see the entire thing and you just kind of made an assumption about what that was. That's what I'm doing. I'm just taking a Snapple cap fact and I'm trying to read it through the glass without buying it. So that's fascinating about Christopher Walken. Anything about his dancing? Nope. Don't know anything about his dancing. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. It makes a fat boy slim. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. I can't. I, I'm quitting. I'm quitting it now. I'm quitting. I'm just I'm I'm hanging up my microphone. So that's all you had to start us out. You know, we usually ride this momentum into the show. Right now, we are miles from the beach. We are sinking. I don't know. I thought the fact that I would bring up Christopher Walken, he seems to be somebody that you particularly enjoy. So I thought you would appreciate that little fact. Oh, you thought you'd wind me up like a fucking dancing monkey and I'd just do Walken voice, which I'm not even very good at? You did it a couple times already. So technically it worked. I mean, I am a psychologist. But I but you I have th- been doing that shit <laughs> all fucking week. Well, I, I'm a doctor. I'm not whatever it is that you are, you fucking troglodyte. I mean, you keep doing these like PhD burns. Fuck you. <laughs> it's never you know, miss it's an opportunity to to ham fist your degrees into a goddamn conversation. You know what's funny is I really actively try not to do that. In every other facet of my life. I really am like, I, I get into Facebook fights with people. Like, and I'm like, I never want to be like, I'm a fucking doctor. Like, I never do that because I'm like, because then I just sound like a dick. But it's funny here. Like, it makes me, well, and also too, because the thing I, the meme that I sent, it was, it was, it was subpar. So I'm not a very funny person in general. But you didn't make the meme. No, I thought it was funny because it was so for for those of you who are out there, it said if if Darth Maul's top half survived, then maybe his bottom half could have survived, too. And it was just legs with a a lightsaber planted into like where the spine would be. So it's just like the bottom half of a person walking around with the top half as a lightsaber. And it was just a very funny image to me. 
So I sent it and nobody thought it was funny. It wouldn't get my upvote on dank memes, that's for sure. No, I mean, I get it. Like, Wait, I mean, did he come back? Do you not know the story of Darth Maul? I mean, when when was his story continued? Was it continued it, in any of the movies? Uh, it was continued in Clone Wars and no, some of that I stuff. Think. And yeah, it was continued in the movies because he was in Solo. I didn't watch Solo. I haven't seen Solo, and I still haven't seen Rise of Skywalker. Oh well, I just spoiled Solo for you. Uh, I mean, he's only in it like as an Easter egg. He's. Not I don't like... think you know what a spoiler is then, because if an Easter egg is not a spoiler. Well, it's an Easter egg spoiler thing. It's not like because I was it... waiting around to see fucking Darth Maul again. Goddamn hot topic Sith Lord. Who cares? I mean, he's actually pretty cool. Like he's it looks like, like a... he's in Mudvayne. Uh, I wish I wish he was in Mudvayne. Bum, bum, bam. But no, so like, okay, so to go back to Darth Maul, he gets cut in half, his yeah, top that. half gets his top half gets recovered, and he gets spider legs for a little while. <laughs> Is that for real? That's what happened. Yeah, that's for real. He gets first of all, he gets like raptor legs, so he gets like the backwards legs, and he walks yeah. around on these giant robotic legs. But then he gets like spider legs for a little bit, and then he gets normal legs for a while, and then and then he finally tracks down Obi Wan Kenobi, and they have a final battle. Where Obi Wan Kenobi lays him to waste. Well, that that's just that's all riveting, and I you know I just wonder why they didn't start with the normal legs and then upgrade him. It seems foolish to work backwards. Well, I, that's that's a good question. I don't know. I have it. I mean, Jesse is probably more the expert on that. I'm sure he can tell you all about like the Death Watch and and how he ran a sect of assassin Mandalorians and all kinds of stuff. I I don't know <laughs> enough about that. Even when your brother nerds out about something, which I have seen him do, he still makes it insulting. Like, dude, <laughs> dude, this fucking guy, right? Like, he, he does this shit, right? Because he's not a pussy. And, like, <laughs> and then he, like, fucks this dude up over here because that dude is most definitely a pussy. <laughs> Yeah, he yeah he does it every time. That's I've your never... brother giving me the synopsis of like anything that he's super into. I have legitimately never thought about that, but you're right. Like he makes every single thing tough. Like he could explain any <laughs> any plot to anything, and he would explain it just like that. Like I'm thinking, like he could explain like perks of being a wallflower and make it sound badass. <laughs> Fucking guy, he's like just whoops his ass. Whoops his ass is is definitely one of your brother's favorite <laughs> phrases. He says he says stuff like that, like whoops his ass, fucks him up. <laughs> like, and it could be about anything. Like it could be like, man, did you see Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? They put that brain thing on him and it just fucks him up. That fucking moron like forgot everything in his stupid fucking brain. <laughs> and this bitch over here is like, don't forget me, forget me. Like, shut up. <laughs> just fucking get it over with yeah that's jesse 100 percent. i we should have him start explaining plots to movies uh well i don't know how but we saved it yeah there we go we brought it back hi everybody welcome to i don't want to hear it i'm mikey and i'm shane and welcome to another edition of one in one hour five one in one hour five yes we have our lists we've prepared them you know, I feel like it's a low-key week for me. I, I certainly don't have any screaming diatribes like last time, but that's okay. That's all right. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. have to be up to 11 every time. Is That's no. not what our audience expects. No, they expect variety, diversity. My, my, list is, um, my list is wild. No, I wouldn't say my list is wild. I would say my list you just is... S- I, you're right. You're um, a doctor. 
I would say my list is somewhat cynical mm. um, and a little misanthropic, mm. but also just chaotic. There you go. I'll use those words. Well, you have just blown me away with your vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I have strong so, words. <laughs> I have words. I have the best words. And this guy shows up. This guy shows up on a podcast and he just fucks everybody up with his words. Well, before we get into the list, let's go ahead and do it for God freshness. Whoop whoop! Blah. I'm in an ape suit. That means I don't give a fuck. So my pick this week is a band that people know about. And if you're listening to the podcast, you've probably heard of this band, but they are um, a band. I think that will kind of disappear. Eventually people will forget that they existed, even though they were kind of this big thing for a while. Um, They put out what I would, I would argue to be four fantastic full lengths and the band progressed in a very specific way. Like you can kind of see where they were going. It wasn't like one of those things where like, um, like blacklisted went from being a hardcore band to doing a lot of like Soundgarden worship. Um, uh, oh, uh, 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 Soundgarden worship. Like grunge. They went grungy. Uh, yeah. More like fucking Pearl Jam worship. Because if they sounded like Soundgarden now, I would not hate them so much. I loved their old stuff. Anyway, my point is, or my new, their new stuff. Their new stuff but- is what I meant. Anyway, my point is this. Is this band that I'm going to talk about does this progression and they had a little bit of a controversial ending. So my Forgotten Freshness this week is Crime and Stereo. <laughs> what the fuck was that? I got excited. Yeah, because you like Crime and Stereo. Oh my god. Well, to a point, I absolutely love them. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with Crime and Stereo, they are a band and we've talked about our are these 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 fun bands from from New York for a long time, from the Long Island folks in those areas. And um and this is one of those bands that came around in like uh about the early two thousands, two thousand one, two thousand two they showed up. Um when they came to play in Daytona, I had no idea. And I missed Me them either. the first time they played. Me too. They played with Shelter. Yeah. Wait. And they played at uh Did they? No, no wait. No, they didn't. That was the same venue, different show. But yeah, yeah. both those shows. Yeah, so so they came to play in Daytona, missed that. Then when I did finally get to see them, after I fell in love with them from all like a few of our friends being like, You missed this band, they were so good. Um and we got to see them again when they played at the Unitarian Church with Scraps and Heart Attacks and Thieves and Assassins and Total Recall. And this is hell, but I was thinking you were gonna forget Total Recall, so I had that one locked and loaded. Yes, that was, <laughs> that was a terrible fucking show. It was a terrible fucking show that we played. Um, Tom sang for us because Matt had quit. And I was so sad because I loved all the bands that were playing that night. And, oh, no, this is Hell Didn't Play. Scraps and Heart Attacks did. You already said that. I'm dumb. Yep. Um, blah, 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 blah. But then this this really awesome hardcore band from New York called Bottom Line was supposed to play and they dropped and I was bummed. But yeah. then I think Scraps and Heart Attacks covered Kid Dynamite and I went nuts. Yeah, no, it was it was a great really show. great show. Um, it was a really great show, and 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 you know we had seen Crime Stereo play a couple times after that uh, too. So and then they kind of I want to say 
blew up pretty soon after that. So uh, yeah. the first kind of the first time we saw them, they were playing on their first full length explosives in the will to use them, which is fucking phenomenal from oh, front yeah. to back. What it's a seriously just great like fast melodic punk hardcore record. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they put out the full length troubled state side, which is like I would make the argument that's probably the entry point. For anybody, if you really want to discover this band, start there because that band it, it's like it's more melodic. It has less of an edge to it, but it's like more dynamic too. Um, I would say they it's started kind of it's definitely a record that like that was like holy shit, look what they did. Have you yeah. heard this fucking record? Like it's yeah. so amazing. It really is. It, it's one of those ones where it's like you hear it and you're like, I see what they're doing, and you can kind of hear where they're starting to go. Um, I would make the argument that there is a bigger leap between Troubled Stateside and their next one versus their next one and their last one. Yeah, um, you're right. <clears throat> you're right. So, <laughs> you're right. You're right. Right. So I just recommend just grab Troubled Stateside. It's fantastic from front to back. I mean, it, it just it starts strong, it ends strong. It's just fucking brilliant. Now, a few years later, actually, the next year, they put out Crime and Stereo is Dead. Mm. Mm. And this was the one that everybody went, what? I really did like this one. Yeah, I, I really did like this one. I love this one. I think this one is is fantastic. And one of my favorite little tidbits about this is the hit song from it, Small Skeletal. Um, oh, yeah. Was written in the studio because they needed an extra song for the record. Uh, that I mean, that... At a perfect time in my life, too, because I was so sad. I was, I was so, too. so sad, and that record was so sad, and it made me, I mean, not happy, something. I remember, so what's funny about that is I, I was also sad. I had just gone through a breakup, and um, that song, You Are Vast, where like he just is like, you are no good. And I was like, yeah, she's not. So, But then in 2010, they put out, I was trying to describe you to someone and everybody lost their shit. Everybody was like, what the fuck is this? However, I make the argument that the progression makes sense. If you listen to their records from explosives through, I was trying to describe you some to someone, it, you hear the progression. You can hear them get to that point. Now, I think this is their weakest entry of all those records. Mm. I still really enjoy it, though. I still really dig it. So, um, But I just know that about myself. They also have a B-Sides compilation called Selective Wreckage, which which grabbed a few things from like the Fuel Transit Sleep EP that they'd put out prior to uh, Troubled Stateside. Um and some other kind of like nice little things that came out. This they'd had a unreleased split with Capital. Yeah, that's it. Those songs made it on there. Yeah. Um and uh and also too they had an EP called The Contract which was fucking good too. Yeah, The Contract was great. Yeah, I mean this their entire you can't go wrong with listening to their discography. I would not recommend starting with uh uh <laughs> with I was trying to describe you to someone. I would get no. really comfortable with their discography and then go explore that one. But man, what a great fucking band. And I feel like they're just one of those bands that will kind of disappear because people will forget because they were like big really quick and they just kind of went away really quick. Well, they did the same thing that Brand New did except, you know, uh the singer of Crime and Stereo didn't turn out to be like a weird diddler or Yeah. <laughs> but like you know, brand new had had two pretty great commercial pop punkish tinged albums. I would call them a rock band, but yeah. they had they did have a little smattering of punk in there. And then they did the Devil and God, and that was sort of like what Crime Stereo did with Dead, where they had this huge departure. The songs were incredible and like deep and dynamic and not punk really at all most right. of it. And same with brand new. And you know, 
Mike Sapone, actually, the guy who he produced both those records, and I feel like there is some shared DNA there. But then Brand New did Daisy, which stunk. And then yep. Crime and Stereo did you, I'm Trying to Describe You Someone, which me, I, I absolutely hated that record. I felt let down. I know that's a selfish thing to say, but I did feel I, – I just was bummed about it, man, because it was like you – there was so much – I don't know. It's just it was such a pretentious record. Same with Brand New when they did Daisy. Yeah, I get I get what you're saying. But then but then see here's my thing. It's like uh, a few years later, Brand New put out science fiction, which I thought was great. Um, and I then didn't really put out another record. Yeah. They I put mean, it out in like so 2017. Mad. Well, they put out they put out science fiction in like 2017, and then they disappeared off the face of the earth because Jesse Lacey sucks the worst. Um, yeah. And then uh, so now Crime Stereo is back together. And they are supposedly writing and recording a new record, so it might be their science fiction. Well, I, I hope if they do, they balance it a little bit better. I mean, cause I'll take another shot at Crime Stereo is dead rather than... I am trying to describe you from somebody. Yeah. Well, they have a new drummer now, so Brett Romnus is in the band. Brett Romnus is in the band? Yep, he's in the band. He plays drums. Brett is in the band! Yeah. X-Fortitude. Yep, Dude, Crime Stereo is X-Fortitude. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That makes That makes me so happy. Oh God! What kind of a fucking torn universe would they cover the game? That would be amazing. oh God! I I don't want to I don't want to know <laughs> I don't want to know that's a, that's a level of the tower I don't need to be on. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Shout out Fortitude. Um. All right. Good. Good pick, man. I I do love Crime and Stereo. Everyone should definitely listen to them. Yes, listen to them so much. I have two Crime and Stereo tattoos. I realized that as I was listening to their discography. I just forgot I have so many tattoos. I, for- I do. I forgot. I'm a doctor. I Did I mention I'm a doctor? By the way, so you can lick these PhDs nuts. Oh God! No I'm not fingers. editing. I'm not going to edit that out. I'm not going to edit that <laughs> it's out. Fine. It's fine. Terrible. It's fine. I don't care. It. I don't care. All right. My pick for this week for Forgotten Freshness is a Brussels metallic hardcore band called Archangel. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So Archangel, uh, like they're from Brussels, uh, I'd say heavy on the metallic, uh, a little lighter on the hardcore. They were associated with the Belgian hate thousand scene in the 90s, which was basically like their straight edge vegan scene. It was like hate H8, but then I guess 8000 was also like a zip code or a mailing code over there. And that was where all those bands were from. And but their edge vegan scene produced way better bands than ours, like Earth <laughs> Crisis. Like they yeah. had Liar and Congress. We had Earth Crisis, and they're basically like a peanut compared to Liar and Congress or some <laughs> other kind of like non-allergenic legume wrapped <laughs> in the fucking <laughs> stupidest bandana ever. Some other stupid bean. Yeah, some dumb bean. <laughs> um, <laughs> Archangel basically sounded like Slayer torturing a 90s beatdown band for eternity in hell. So, uh-huh. like, in a word, neat. Um, <laughs> tons of evil riffs. I mean, definitely not as technical as even Slayer. And I know Slayer, compared to, like, death metal and a lot of, like, progressive metal, is pretty primitive. But, you know, th- these are these are obviously hardcore dudes that can play metal a little bit. So... They do have tons of evil riffs, really heavy as shit breakdowns, and just screaming demon vocals. Yeah. If you dig All Out War, who I've talked about before, just not for a while, I'm sure you already know who Archangel is and you love this band. They do share a similar sound, whereas All Out War is more modern sounding now because they've lasted longer than Archangel. They're better produced and they're a little more metal, but there is something similar there. Um, So Archangel... They were militantly edge and vegan in their early days, but then they gave it up by the second record. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, this is too much to keep up with. 
And so apparently the 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 buzz was they were publicly seen drinking and eating. <laughs> like eating burgers, drinking booze. And I just imagine like at first it brings to mind like a group of Vikings like stuffing grog and boiled hams in their throats. But these dudes looked like protein deficient vampires. <laughs> so it was probably like white wine <laughs> spritzers. And they probably threw up because edge wit breakers are the fucking worst drunks. So that's agreed. Agreed. Uh, rumor has it though, and what the other controversy was that the band didn't renounce the edge or the veg until long after everybody knew they'd broken it. And I mean, okay, it's pretty hilarious to me because, like, I just feel like Archangel, like their lyrics were so almost cliche. Like they're cool, but they're almost cliche. They're like metal lyrics. Right. They don't mean anything or that they couldn't mean anything, but like it's really just a bunch of evil mosh shit. I mean, right. it's like, okay, so they're not about being edge and vegan and some of their songs are about that, but mostly their songs are just about like angels falling from heaven and Satan devouring everybody. So, I mean, it's like finding out Phil Anselmo like voted for Bernie Sanders, <laughs> which, which you know he fucking didn't. And I just don't care because beyond their musical output, most musicians are fucking idiots. So anyway. Um, in their, in their lifespan, Archangel released three LPs and one EP. The first one in 99 was called Dead Man Walking, and that is the one. It's a true slab of hate mosh from deep within the haunted forest. Um, the subsequent two LPs are not bad. People overlook them all the time because they were the edge break LPs. Um, Hope You Die by Overdose in 2004, and Archangel Is Your Enemy in 2008. They're good. They just don't capture the magic of Dead Man Walking. I gotcha. Um, I that, gotcha. That EP, uh, Prayers Upon Deaf Ears, came out before the first LP, and it's good, but you should just start with Dead Man Walking. Because uh, the first two tracks on Dead Man Walking, From Heaven We Fall and Written in Black, those were Axis Van Mosh staples. What is Van Mosh? <laughs> so, <laughs> Please explain. <laughs> When you're driving to a show and you are in a shit box of a van that is almost certainly going to break down, you don't tend to treat it with a lot of respect. So we would put on heavy shit like uh, Archangel or Fury of Five, and we would just sort of do the whole clap windmill thing all over it. One person would drive. <laughs> one person would be driving and everyone would be in the back just sure. throwing themselves into the fucking walls and punching shit. <laughs> You know, and uh, it was it, it wasn't just a joke. I do genuinely love this band and that LP, that first one, I would say is required listening if you like metallic hardcore. Not if you like metal, because there's better metal bands, but Archangel still uh, they play live from time to time. Uh, there's some video, some hate five, six video of them from the past couple of years. They played this as hardcore. It was cool. They still sounded good, but. They were better when they were edge. I'm loath to admit it, though. Yeah. I, just, I feel like you drink enough beer, it does start to weigh you down. I will say, though, Strife had a way better edge break album and a way better edge break overall. But Archangel is still uh, a pretty great band to check out if you never have. So I'll link it. I'm sure they're on Spotify. Yeah, I can't find them on there. <clears throat> really? But that's just, yeah, there is another Archangel on there. A R K A N G E L? I didn't spell it like that. Well, that, you got to spell it the right way, man. A-R-K-A-N-G-L? Yeah. Archangel, one word. Okay. As opposed to the... Okay, yep. There we are. They are on Spotify. Good. Punishment for the fools. Oh, that's the best line. All right. Well, you ready to do the rest of this dumb list? The list. The list. The list. <laughs> 
my number five, I have a new trailer. Okay. Now, the trailers for Dune and the trailers for Batman. Yeah. Pretty mind blown. Truly epic looking movies. Looking forward to them. Um, I would say they're good reasons not to go into Walmart with one of those massless mobs and give everyone A and yourself COVID. You got something to live for. Okay. Right. Right. So. <laughs> and don't... Don't do that anyway, because you are you should definitely be killed if you do that. <laughs> Dude, I read about that. I'm like, are they fucking serious? Like, that's what they're doing now? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty absurd. Oh, God. You see those people running at you? Just put your foot out. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, on Sunday, a new movie trailer dropped. I've been waiting for it. I've been excited about it, and it looks epic, and it looks amazing. And that trailer is for the upcoming film... Godzilla versus Kong. Yes, 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 yes. So stoked. Dude. Dude. Uh, this is the fourth film in the Legendary Pictures MonsterVerse. The first three being that 2014 Godzilla reboot, Kong Skull Island in 2017, and King of the Monsters in 2019. And despite some obvious like modern movie, adventure movie tropes, some, some shitty acting and some shittier plot holes, I actually really do dig all of these movies. Yeah. Um. I love the characters, Kong, Godzilla. There's a, in the introduction to the book that I'm outlining, Suspend Your Disbelief, Movie Snobs, Fuck Off, coming in probably 2022. Uh, the introduction, which will be reprinted or excerpted in the upcoming zine, features a personal story of mine closely linked to Peter Jackson's 2005 King Kong <laughs> reboot, which was also a movie that I love. Yeah. Basically, I almost killed two people in the theater uh, who was sitting behind me during that one, and you can read all about it in the upcoming zine and then when the book comes out. Um, I've always loved Kong and Godzilla, and you know I love seeing them realized in a modern way. You know I'm I'm all for remakes if they add something. And these yeah. movies, there's so many different timelines, and they've been sequeled and prequeled and franchised to death. So it doesn't feel shitty when a new movie like this comes out, as long as it's of high quality. You know, and yeah, and. They are. So Congress Godzilla, this is this in the Monsterverse timeline. The earliest one is Skull Island, which is set in the 70s. And then the two Godzilla movies set in the 2010s. And then this one, of course, is the latest in the timeline. And it's the epic showdown between Kong and Godzilla. So the question yeah. on the Internet is, why is Kong so big in the trailer? Well, because the last time we saw this particular Kong on Skull Island, it was the 70s, and he was like a teenager. Now he's yeah. big enough to take on the new Godzilla, which is the biggest incarnation of Godzilla. Yeah. Um. Now, why are they fighting? Because in the lore of the MonsterVerse, they're both basically benevolent titans, and they exist to fuck up assholes like King uh, Ghidra and Rodan. Yeah. Hold on. I live my whole life. My son Ethan loves Godzilla. It's King Ghidorah and Rodan. I thought it. I thought it was Ghidra. No, it's Ghidorah. I believe me. Tr believe me. I've been spending years listening to. He obsesses about it. It's King Ghidorah, and it is Rodan, and it is well, fucking Rodan. all. It, it's just there's so many of them. Well, I pronounced it as Ghidorah for a long time, and then it sounded dumb in my mouth, so I changed it to Ghidra because I thought I heard someone say it that way, but whatever. I guess I'm wrong. Thanks for the correction, doctor. Yeah, it's listen, it's my six-year-old. My six-year-old uh, who is now eight. So King Ghidorah got fucked up by Godzilla and Mothra in the last movie, King of the Monsters. It's pretty great. And Rodan, too. Um, although Rodan, I believe, is still alive at the end of the movie. Yeah. So... The trailer does not say what has happened, but Kong and Godzilla are at odds 
for the first time since the 1962 Kong versus Godzilla, which is not canon to this timeline, and they had no definitive winner. This time around, apparently the rub is there will be a winner. Obviously, I hope Kong wins. I, I do love Godzilla, and you know, rooting for him for the last two movies was great. But I mean, you know, you can't watch King Kong die. When I was a little kid, and I saw him fall off the Empire State Building for the first time, I fucking cried my eyes out. <laughs> I did. And I guess I related to the monster in that moment. Yeah, I mean, that, that's um, fair. I mean, in the trailer, Godzilla's like fucking up Tokyo or something, which is, you know, pretty classic. So, you know, obviously something has pissed him off. They're mentioning it in the trailer. Nobody knows what it is. So Kong has to fight him. And I mean, this trailer is bananas. Yeah. And I guess that pun is intended. You get to <laughs> see like you see like these glimpses of Kong like sedated on this barge. So they got him off Skull Island somehow. Uh, Godzilla's fucking shit up somewhere. And then they have a goddamn fight on top of an aircraft carrier. Uh huh. Uh huh. At one point, the Kong literally does like a John McClane jump, like he like off Nakatomi Plaza with the explosion behind him. Uh huh. Like Kong like jumps as things explode behind him, like a giant gorilla action movie star. It's so badass. Yeah. And you know, Godzilla obviously has the atomic breath. How's Kong going to deal with that? Well, adult Kong has a fucking Kratos axe the size <laughs> of a small building. This motherfucker has an axe, all right? And then, you know, the trailer drops all these other little breadcrumbs. There's an ancient Titan war, and these two are the last survivors, and there's a human conspiracy going on. And as long as they don't, as long as they can stay away from that Vera Farmagia being an eco-terrorist with Charles Dance last time, yeah. where they set all the Titans free to reset the planet, you know, once and for all, it proves vegans are the true monsters. That was the message I got <laughs> out of that movie. Um, of fair. course, the secret the secret government agency Monarch is back. It sucks John Goodman isn't in this one because he was totally devoured unceremoniously on Skull Island by a skull crawler. A lot of skulls. I would love to see um, John C. Riley come back from Skull Island, although in the timeline he's probably dead from old age. Thomas Middleditch, Bradley Cooper, they were great in King of the Monsters. I don't give a shit about it Kyle Chandler. He's in the trailer. His whole, face looks like it was tumbled until it was way too smooth, and I hate looking at him. It's not Thomas Middleditch. It's Tom Hiddleston. Thomas Middleditch was in King of the Monsters. Oh, you're right. Okay, I was thinking, no, I was thinking Tom Hiddleston. Doctor! You're right. <laughs> you're right. I was thinking Tom Hiddleston was in Skull Island. He was. Yeah, he was, but he would Bring be Bring both Thomases. Bring both Thomases. I'm down. I mean, you know, it's it just reminds me, it's like, you know, there's this other shared movie franchise, which is really only for dorks. And uh, I like this one much better, and I think they should they should really treat it the way that one is treated, just with better characters and stories. What's that other What's that other franchise? You know. Uh, okay, I'm gonna talk about it later, so don't worry. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. Godzilla vs. Kong Congress tra- Godzilla trailer is badass. That movie's coming out uh, in March, I think. And since there's no fucking theaters open, we gotta watch it on HBO Max. Thank God Roku closed the deal so I can watch it. Yeah. I'm I'm so stoked because uh uh like there's also like these hints that like maybe Mecha Godzilla might be in it too. I mean there's a lot of fodder there. All those movies have so many characters and monsters. And they yeah, can make up it's their endless. own. They made up a bunch of different titans in the last one. So I'm, yeah. I'm stoked. I love all that shit. I'm into it. All right. Speaking of Titans, my number five is I would describe as a Titan of hardcore. 
And it's my record for the 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 list. I'm gonna start my record off here because it's just gonna escalate from here. Um, and this this album probably has one of my favorite ever intro songs on any hardcore record ever. Like you know when you listen to some records, you're like, that's the song. Like you hear these songs, you're like, that is the song. That is just, there's no better way to kick off this record except for that. And this album has it. And uh, so my number five is the Hope Conspiracy's "Death Knows Your Name." So, <clears throat> spoiler, I've been listening to all of the 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 Death Wish catalog for an upcoming episode um, and having a lot of fun with that. Uh, and this is one of my favorite ones from that entire catalog. If I had to pick, like, probably my favorite hardcore record from Death Wish, it would be this one. Now, okay. I'll explain why. My first experience with Hope Conspiracy was the record Endnote. Um, I had heard people talking about Cold Blue, and I had heard people talking about uh, File .03 and all that, and and people were like really about Hope Conspiracy for a little bit. But my first kind of like dive into this band was Endnote, and I got the this record because I permanently borrowed it from a local uh, chain, um, <clears throat> and uh, permanently borrowed it. It's just borrowed Fuck it forever. I'm going to go return all that stuff now. Hey, do you guys still have... Oh, you don't even have CDs. There's no store here anymore. It's just a gaping hole in the wall of the mall. Is it gone now? What store? Uh, it was Hot Topic. Oh, no, they're still there. But you, you, they only let like two people in at a time right now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. wants to go in there anyway? Yeah, they don't even have CDs anymore, so it doesn't matter. Um, so, <laughs> But I remember listening to this record and being so upset that the vocals were mixed so poorly on it. I hate... The way his vocals sound on it. It sounds like he's screaming down a hallway into a microphone. And Oh, you. I'm just, I just remember that was really off-putting for me. So um, it wasn't until a couple years later in 2006 when they put out Death Knows Your Name. And holy shit. I feel like this is when they really kind of figured out like what kind of band they were. They weren't just like a straight edge, like a, like not a straight edge band, but they weren't just like a hardcore band. They were like, they kind of had this like weird rock and roll edge to it. Um, like bands that, like, uh, who was it? Suicide File had come out and kind of put out some really good, strong, yeah. like kind of like rocky hardcore records. Um, they had done that side project bars around then too, uh, which was like American Nightmare and them too, which I know that was kind of, that, that was kind of a lackluster thing, but I still like that record, but, um, but this one, I feel like they figured out, like, this is the kind of shit that we like to sing about. Like, we don't like cops. So much so that when Hope's Conspiracy breaks up, we'll start a band called All Pigs Must Die. <laughs> um, but they really kind of like, I mean, they even have a song on here called So Many Pigs, So Few Bullets. Which is, like, kind of goofy. But, like, I mean, the, yeah. it, it, kicks, it kicks off with They Know Not, which is easily one of the best intros to a record ever. And I just feel like it's mixed really well. It's heavy. It's got enough dynamics to it. It's just an interesting hardcore record to me. Um, and I just love it. It just, it's just, I just, it just gets me moving. It's like, it's, I would car mosh to this record. So I don't know. What do you think about it? Did you ever, I mean, did you, how, what did you ever really get into that band? I remember, I'm, I do remember around the time when cold blue came out, I was, I checked it out and I thought it was cool. Some of the songs weirdly enough in my mind now made me think of Snapcase, but I don't think that makes any sense. I guess cause they just were kind of like a different sounding hardcore band. That's probably why I made that connection. Yeah. But, um, I remember Endnote, and I never disliked the hope conspiracy. I thought they were cool. Death knows your name. I remember listening to it. I thought it was pretty good. 
Um, I th- isn't that the one where Tim Kosar from American Nightmare, like he, that was the one record he was on, like yeah. he recorded? Yeah, that was the one that he yeah. was like in it. So you could kind of tell, like there was that, there was definitely that vibe. They were a good band. All Pigs Must Die was cool too, but um, uh, I miss one of my big regrets is missing them playing a secret show with Dwid and doing an entire Integrity cover set at Scion Fest. Mm. I miss that shit because I left because of sleep. Um, oh man but yeah hope conspiracy it was uh they're a cool band not yeah. my favorite but they're cool yeah i mean i just i i always liked kevin baker's voice like i i mean like i didn't like the way it was recorded but i still liked that it sounded like a yeah. and i think He's that was like voice. one of the things i liked about like certain hardcore bands is like if i listen to a hardcore like any sort of hardcore band i liked the bands that didn't sound necessarily different but sounded like either just beyond pissed like the dude from Backstabbers, his voice is yeah. fucking brilliant. Like I love shit like that. Or um, like Kevin Baker or like uh, Wes Eastold on the first couple of American Nightmare records where it's like just sounds desperate, like angry and desperate <laughs> and pissed and sad and all those things. Like I always like he those. started going. No, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I still like it, but it's whatever. So, um, anyway, go listen. Go listen to this record because it's fucking awesome. Speaking of <clears throat> integrity, real quick, I was really bummed that I missed them like that, but I did get to see integrity once, and it was everybody in pulling teeth backing them up, backing Dwid up, and it was the most violent fucking show I've ever been to in my entire life. And I'm sure I've talked about it before, but I was in I was in terror. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> just i was like oh my god they're gonna summon something and then i'm just gonna get <laughs> and then whatever that thing is is just gonna beat the shit out of me <laughs> okay so for my number four a little story okay so this story confirmed something for me that I'm better at my job than I think. And I don't give myself credit enough. Am I perfect? No. I make mistakes all the time, all the time, but so does everybody else who's actually trying. So on Friday, Mm -hmm. so we have a unit on the triangle factory fire and I know it's not the most scintillating thing in the world, right? Kids don't, I mean, especially this generation, and it's not their fault. It's my generation's fault for raising them terribly. They don't really care about stuff unless it directly affects them. I think it could be said of all generations. I'm not saying it's just this one, but they are much more removed from emotion because they have technology from an early age at their behest, and I really think that does dull them a little bit. So it's hard for them to have empathy, some of them, and it's hard for them to really, like, enjoy things. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. What I, the thing that I always say is they don't even like the stuff that they like. Right. We When we were into something at that age, we were into it. We're all when in. they're into something, yeah, when they're into something, it's like they're into it, but if you took it away from them, probably wouldn't do much. So anyway... We're doing this unit on the Triangle Fire, and we have to cut it short because we have some stupid state tests that we have to do because there's a million of those a week, and that's a huge problem, and it's something I'm not in favor of. So Uh I have to get them ready for it. So on Friday, I said, look, we're going to start our new unit on Tuesday when we we get back to school, and we're going to just 
bang it out, go real hard and get and just get it done. All right. I'm not starting it today because you guys are going to forget it over your three day weekend. Right. So I put on a video about the Triangle Factory fire, which, if anybody doesn't know, was a horrific fire that happened in New York City in 1911 in a garment factory where basically only uh, immigrant teenage girls, they were the they were the biggest number of victims. The building owners were completely and utterly evil people that locked them in there because they didn't want union organizers coming in and messing with them. And like there was no safeguards. They were just horrible people. Right. So anyway. I put on this video to kind of coast out the unit. Sometimes you got to do that. You got to stretch sometimes because you can't start something new after before a three-day weekend. It's just not going to work. So I put this video on. Yeah, it's not the greatest. I'm getting grades done. I'm doing stuff. And look, you know, if a couple of them took their phones out and they weren't being obnoxious about it, I looked the other way. I'm not Satan. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah, you're fine. So in this particular period, I have a support teacher, and that's because some of the kids um, require it. Right. Okay. You know what an IEP is. Yes, uh, some I do. Yes. Yeah, so there's some of these kids, it, it is required, which is fine. I've, it's not the first time I've had a class like that. So we haven't had support all year uh, in this particular class. We've been so shorthanded, and the classes have been mixed up and everything, and the schedules have been changed with all the online people. I finally do get a new support person. He's a nice guy. Seems to be helping me out. And uh, seventh period, watching a video, end of the day. Long day. Long day for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I turn the lights out, doing my grading, and my support is sitting in the front row of the class. And uh, one of my kids comes back to me, and he's uh, he goes, <coughs> um, he's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I look up, and I'm like, He's not asleep. Surely you're you're joking. And I see dude teacher, mind you. Support teacher, yes, okay. It's my class. Head down like a child in his arms. Just Oh no. And I'm like, oh God. And this is how I know that I'm a professional. Because I didn't immediately go, yo, what are you doing? So <laughs> I was like, well, what am I going to do? I, I told the kid to sit down. All right. And then I got up after the video ended and I made some noise. I was like, hey, oh, hey, oh, here we are. Like, I didn't want to. <laughs> didn't want to draw attention. Want, yeah, I didn't want to draw attention to him, but I wanted to wake him up, which right. I did. And we, we talked a little bit about the end of the video. And, you know, you could see that he realized, like, oh, my God, I fucking fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, this person actually did me a good turn earlier this week too so i i i didn't embarrass them and i felt good about that and then they actually turned around and did something nice for me i'm not saying they're a bad teacher because from what i've seen they're not it's just a, a really shitty fuck up right right and i it just made me say to myself like i i am my own worst critic uh there are times when i leave my my school and i'm just like i don't know if i can keep doing this i don't know if i'm any good at it you know, it's like, yeah, the, a lot of the kids like me because I'm relatable and I'm sarcastic. But what does that mean? Am I really teaching them anything? Right. And then there are days when I'm like, oh, no, you're doing just fine. Yeah, you <laughs> because are. Okay. You've never fallen asleep in front of them. <laughs> and right. you've never cursed them out like some teachers. And you've never literally gotten in a physical altercation with any of your students. Right. Yeah, you're doing OK. 
And, you know, I do like to think that I do know what I'm talking about and I try to make things informative and painless. And that's kind of my goal. But that experience was funny. It was also terrifying. Like, I was just like, this is what we've come to. Like, this is what's yeah, this happening. Is where we're at. Like, how is this? Like, what is happening? But I did play it cool and i just felt a little bit better about myself at the expense of somebody else but whatever i'm i'll I'll take it i'll take it so that's my number four i like it i mean i it's always nice to kind of like uh that it's it's kind of shitty to find validation and stuff like that but it is also like you know what maybe i'm not so bad well it's just a reminder that like when you're your own worst critic usually nobody's even paying attention to you. Yeah. You know, the things that you think are like, oh, dude, I did this today. That's That was dumb. I made this mistake today. And literally nobody cares. Yeah, that makes sense. No, you shouldn't be careful, especially when you're dealing with kids. You need to be careful. You need to be positive. Set a good example. Don't fall asleep in front of them. But yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. So my number four, um, I'm almost positive makes me a bad person. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, recently there has been this fantastic craze on the internet. I, one of the things I really love is, um, like interesting food things on the internet. Like when people do really cool things that you wouldn't think to do with food and you're like, Oh, that's interesting. I could do that. And then you try it. Yeah. Like mostly like eat meat or (laughs) not. Um, or like, uh, like just something new that you're like, you have all these ingredients, you eat all these things, try to put them together in this order and watch how magic this is. Um, and this is something I did recently. As a matter of fact, I was so successful with the first one. I've done it three times in the last week. My number four is this new craze called a quesadilla sandwich. (laughs) Michael, have you seen these on the internet? No, I haven't, because I would have seen it and been like, no, thank you. No, you know why? Because you're dumb. Here's here. Yeah. Listen to how fucking great this is. I had, I ate all around the world, different courses, mm-hmm. using this vehicle to deliver food to my mouth. If you're not familiar with what this is, here's what you do. You take a giant burrito wrap, or just like mm-hmm. a regular sandwich wrap. You mean and, a tortilla? Or, t- or a wrap. A wrap is not necessarily a tortilla, sir. Lettuce wrap? Okay. Uh, I mean, all right. So you take it and you slice it as if Pac-Man's mouth were closed. One slice. <laughs> okay. okay. Right. The I guess that would be the radius, yes? You you create uh, a radius. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because the diameter is the whole thing. You don't want a you don't want a diameter, you want a radius. So you cut it, and then depending on whether you want three ingredients. Or four ingredients. You section off the, bur- the 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 tortilla. You lay in like what ingredients you want. So the first night I made s'mores, which I used Nutella in one quarter, vegan marshmallows on the next quarter. This is making me so mad. A little bit of honey because I like honey, and then some crushed up graham crackers. And here's what I did. Okay, you fold it over. And you fold it over again, and you fold it over into a triangle, right? You fold it, you kind of wrap it all up, and then you grill it. Honey, let me tell you, this is the best thing. So, 
I'm like, okay, the first time I'm like, okay, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe just des- I just love desserts. And if you put like uh, a bunch of sweets in the same space and put it into a, a single bite, I'll eat it and I'll be fine. It had to have been it. So what did I do next? I did chicken parmesan. And you know what? I just don't. Why can't you just make an, a beautiful chicken parmesan that isn't in defiance of God? Because you can hold this in your hand. Because this is technological advancement. This is better than going to space. Because now I've taken all the things that I love and I've created a, a delivery system, a vessel by which these beautiful ingredients can enter my my <laughs> my gaping maw. Why don't you just liquefy them and then just shoot them up your ass with a turkey? I'm not basically. kind of. I'm not a fucking monster. <laughs> so the third, which happened tonight before we got on here. Taco oh, night. Great. Taco night. So, first of all, the chicken parm was this. Okay? It was Morningstar chicken patty, because you don't like those. Um, fresh, fresh mozzarella, sliced up. Okay? Lay those slices down. Then in the you next quarter part, right? was fresh sauce. Some pizza sauce. And then some okay. shredded, some shredded cheese, some shredded mozzarella, some parmesan cheese. Fold it all up, grill it, bam. I got a beautiful Chicken parm in my hand. And then tonight was taco night. So it was cheese, black beans, crumbles with some taco seasoning, avocado, smothered with salsa. Beautiful. So anyway, I now I've See, tried that to, one sounds good. They were so to all me, good. that sounds good. They were all but good. But it just I don't I, I just don't need the addition of the grilled tortilla. It's not going to do anything for me. I don't. I don't even need. I don't like hand foods. Like I mean, I don't. I mean, I like them, but I don't need them. Do like, you not what, like what sandwiches? This? I love sandwiches. I'm just saying that, like, to me, it's like a s'mores uh, quesadilla is the food equivalent of like the fucking Blood Brothers. It's, just, <laughs> it's wholly unnecessary and un- and annoying. No. S'mores are meant to be enjoyed over a campfire. I guess I'm a traditionalist. Okay. Yeah, okay, but listen, you, you say that, and maybe I don't have to make you a s'mores one. Come over, and I will make you whatever you want. I'll put whatever the fuck you want in it. You want some kind of, like, bullshit veal uh, foie gras type of thing? Like, okay, so let's go ahead and take all uh, the inhuman... Too, much, too rich. Uh, that's, okay, up. okay, okay. But I will put... I'll put a fucking... I'll put a bowl of spaghetti right in this for you. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll do that whole thing, and I will, I will wrap uh, it up, and you'll be like, God damn it, Shane, you were right again. So anyway, my number four, quesadilla sandwiches, bonkers how great this is. I can't wait to try a barbecue one. I can't try, wait to try a sushi one because there's sushi ones that exist. Oh, no. It doesn't have to be a quesadilla. Here's the thing. Like you, you're getting stuck on the idea that there's a tortilla. I don't have to put that in a tortilla. I can use um, nori, and I can actually do sushi using that. I can just cut it a certain way and fold it a certain way. It's, it's possible to do this type of geometry with all your food. Well, I wish you well with it. All right. Well, I'm going to send you a picture next time and be like, it's going to fuck you up. I'm going to break my phone in half. <laughs> All right. All right. Good. Good. And I'll put it in the sandwich. Throw it in the sewer. You can also do it in thirds. If you prefer thirds, you fold it into thirds instead of, of so. I don't even know if I have the will to go on. <laughs> okay. Huh?
So my next pick, my number three. It's the first of two books on my list this week. So this book is called Weird Scenes Inside the Canyon by David McGowan. Okay. It's nonfiction, although I think some people would probably say that it is speculative. However, uh, I am choosing to believe it wholeheartedly. (laughs) But most of this stuff is factual and pretty easy to look up. So this book, it's nonfiction, and uh, it's a pretty wild ride, okay? So Weird Scenes is all about the sordid history of the Laurel Canyon area of Los Angeles. So, like, if you thought the hate was bad after Manson and all the hippies shitting in the streets, it's really got nothing on the canyon as far as murder and darkness and unsettling synchronicities go. But I mean, like when the hippie movement fell, it got dark real quick. Yeah. The canyon is darker. So the author's name is David McGowan. He's a journalist. But the foreword is by a guy named Nick Bryant. And he is the guy who authored one of the two books written about the Franklin cover up. These fucking Q morons are they're just. This type, like, human trafficking is a real thing. It doesn't mean that Hillary Clinton is eating babies. Um, And the Franklin cover-up is a pretty definitive account of one of these operations that took place in the 80s. And a lot of people were killed around it, and it is a truly terrifying part of our society. And it just, it makes me mad that these people are, like, storming the Capitol. I mean, that is enough to make you mad anyway. But it makes me mad because it's just like, oh, you waited until this buffoon got into office before you decided like, oh, you know, there's probably some bad shit going on. And then you take that bad shit and you amp it up satanic panic style so nobody takes any of it seriously anymore. At any rate, the Franklin cover up, the foreword to this book was written by the guy who read a book on that one. And that is if you want to get your fucking wig flipped read anything about the Franklin cover up because it is truly disturbing stuff. And it made me just kind of like say, I don't, I I can't any of this anymore. So anyway, Franklin cover up detour, notwithstanding, I I think that this guy's forward lends the story that David McGowan tells some gravitas in my opinion. So this book itself, the weird scenes uh, book is a series. It's basically a series of stories. Very, many of them very interconnected and incestuous about many of the canyon's famous and infamous residents over the years, primarily through the 60s, 70s, and 80s. This place was jam-packed with the musicians that were popular in the day, musicians and actors and Hollywood people. I'm five chapters in, and here's a few things that I've discovered. Now, there's a lot of chapters, so I'm not giving anything away. If you sit down and read this book, you'll know all this within the first hour. Frank Zappa, uh, he was not a hippie. I didn't know that. He was reportedly, by many accounts, a huge proponent of authoritarianism. Like, he was not at all into the whole, like, youth rebellion culture. And you know what? I'm glad because I think his music sounds like a baby rhino trying to cry its way out of an old top hat. Hi, everybody. You may have noticed for the past minute or so that Shane hasn't been responding to me at all. He completely ignored that 
amazingly funny Frank Zappa joke, and I worked on that for a while. Now here's the thing. After I finished up my third entry on my list, Shane's computer crashed. So we picked up where we left off, and when he sent me his audio tracks, there was just a big chunk missing. So we kind of lost the end of my entry in the beginning of his next one. You know, let, let me tell you, why, why would his computer crash? It's because he keeps no less than 51 browser tabs open at all times. He thinks because he has two screens that somehow it balances out, but he's a doctor. All right, so let's rejoin the episode somewhere in the middle of Shane's number three entry. Something about fucking Black Flag, I don't know. All right, so one of the weird releases they put out was one called Minute Flag, and it is, and this is how I know that they should have just stopped. Okay, like in 1985, it came out in 1986. It's an EP by Black Flag and the Minutemen, hmm. where it was, quote, an experimental jam band collaboration between members of the Minutemen and Black Flag. So, um, eh, you know, it, it's a whole thing. So the here's who was in the band at the time. You had... D Boone, who was vocals and guitar. D Boone. D Boone. You got Greg Ginn, who would play guitar. You got George Hurley, who played bongos and bean can. <laughs> Fuck them. Yeah. Then you had Kira, Kira Rossler, who was the bass player. Henry Rollins did backing vocals. Bill Stevenson played drums. And Mike Watt played bass. On paper, this should have been good. I have no idea what this bongos. sounds like. Except for the bongos, yeah, get fucking get out of here, George Hurley, whoever you are. I, but I don't. I, but it's weird because, like, again, it's Black Flag just putting out a bunch of weird shit and just kind of doing whatever they want, which they're also known for kind of doing whatever they want. Um, but I just, and I kind of like that about them. I like mm. that they kind of like just. They literally were like, "This is what we're gonna do. Fuck everybody else. This is what we want to do." Um. But I think it comes to, to them in a detriment because, you know, they've had five vocalists, including Des Kadena, Keith Morris, Ron Reyes, Henry Rollins, and now Mike Vallely. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, Mike Vallely joined after they put out their last full length called What The? Oh, yeah. Didn't they have a comeback record? They had a comeback record, and they Ugh. had Ron Reyes. So they had Ron Reyes, who did vocals on Jealous Again, come back after he had been kicked out of the band. Um, and then on stage, he got kicked out of the band again, and Mike Vallely finished the set. I don't know. I just I feel like some of these old bands need to die. It's like go on, go do other bands. You, you've been you've been part of the foundation for decades. You don't need to come back. It's stupid. I mean, Jesus Christ! Like the Chromags are still putting out records. Who cares? Like, right? Who gives a shit. Ugh. Right. Well, but I think that's like the thing too. Like you know, um, you've got Greg Ginn who has been like. Black Flag has been like his primary thing, right? Um, and then I'm looking at this, I'm like, he was credited for all these other things, but you only really know Black Flag. And I also just learned that he learned he knows how to play the theremin. Well, he sounds like an absolute blast to be around. Yep. So anyway, that's my number three, Black Flag. Uh, they're just, I, I, I just am interested. They're like interesting to me. Like, I don't love that band. I just think that they're very interesting. 
flak bag. All right. <laughs> Nailed it. For my number two, I have chosen another book. Ooh, because even though I'm not books. a doctor, I still manage to sometimes use my brain. Uh-huh. Uh, so I just finished a book called Animal Factory, and that is my number two. Animal Factory is a book by a guy named Edward Bunker. Do you know who Edward Bunker is? Uh, that sounds like a very Alabama name. <laughs> well, it's actually a California name. Thank you. It's probably from the Midwest and went to California when he was quite uh-huh. young. Yeah. Um, Edward Bunker is a crime writer, was a crime writer. He's dead now. And okay. he, he wasn't that well known by his name, but most people know him from a movie that almost everybody has seen and they just don't realize who he is. He played Mr. Blue in Reservoir Dogs. Oh. Yeah, he's the old dude with the long hair when they're at the diner scene and Steve Buscemi won't tip. And he's like, only the service was really good. And he's like, what's good? Take you in the back and suck your dick. <laughs> That's him. That's Edward Bunker. And contrary to that line, he is a very uh, well-read, well-written gentleman. So the thing of it was in Reservoir Dogs, and he, he actually was in a bunch of movies in the 80s and the 90s and just bit parts. Like he was in Running Man and some other shit. But the thing was, in Reservoir Dogs, and Quentin Tarantino knew this because he's a fan of all things that are, you know, cult and weird, he was really just playing himself because Edward Bunker was a lifelong felon who became a writer in prison. So he was a okay. drug dealer, uh, California-based, I believe. Uh, he stole cars. He robbed banks. He was an armed robber. And finally, you know, he wound up in prison for a five-year stretch, and that's where he wrote his first novel, No Be So Fierce. It's a great title. It sounds like for a metal record. I haven't read that one yet. Um, as for his writing style, you would probably imagine somebody who had been to prison. They probably write in a specific type of way, especially if they wrote yeah. stuff in prison. His, his prison, his writing is very pragmatic. It's very to the point. But it does contain a lot of detail, but it's like very brutal detail. Right. It's It's easy to read. It flows really quickly. And he just kind of has a way with words. I mean, you can zip through one of his books in a couple of days. And all his books are about crime and prison and or crime in prison. Um, so he spent actually he's I said he was a lifelong felon. I mean, he spent a lot of it locked up. He spent part of his youth in a correctional facility, good amount of years in and out of prison until he got those five years in the early 1970s. So he kind of knows right. what he's writing about. Right. So Animal Factory, the one I just finished, is his second novel, and it's about this guy named Ron Decker, and I feel like he kind of based him on himself a little bit. He was convicted for drug dealing and put into San Quentin. He wasn't a hardened criminal. Like, he wasn't a, a fucking bowl of jelly, but he wasn't like these guys. And, you know, Ron Decker's a decent-looking guy, so prison's about to suck for him, especially in San Quentin. And they talk about that quite a lot. Um to stay alive and to stay, you know, inviolate, he has to fall in with a group to protect him. And of course, if you're white, it's white supremacists. Like, right. They even, they even talk about how he's conflicted by the group's beliefs because he doesn't believe in the shit, but he, he has to be with them because he can't be with anybody else and get protection. And that right. sucks because you kind of have to do that now um, from what, 
I've understood whether you're racist or not. So, you know, I if you're interested at all in prison culture, you got to go on YouTube and watch Fresh Out with Big Herc or Wes Watson's YouTube channel if you want to know all about that shit and also how not to get your cheeks busted in the big house. So. <laughs> yeah, it does, there's a lot of, like, uh, like uh, unknown social rules that go along with, like, Dude, being in prison. Not so, that I know of, but... So many. And, and, like, he really breaks it down in a way that's easy for a layman to understand, like, the culture of prison. It's a whole society in and of itself. And, I mean, people are... Uh, keyed up to a fever pitch like you cannot do certain things if you do this you have to do this and if you can't do that it's fucking over for you like it's very unforgiving and i mean hence the title um so basically this guy ron decker he's kind of alone for his first month first month or two and then he befriends this older convict earl copen who shows him kind of the ropes of staying alive in prison but then like this guy Decker's up for early resentencing. He was supposed to do two years and then the judge was going to resentence him, but he's affiliated with these guys now. So he has to sometimes do shit that he doesn't want to do that could jeopardize it. Right. So it's a pretty grim book, but it kind of shows how people can adapt to almost anything if they're strong enough. And prison most definitely like is something that more people than we, you know, really think about are dealing with this every second of the day. And prison, it's like the title. It's basically an animal factory. It does not rehabilitate people. Most people, we know that. It just makes them worse. Right. And, you know, it's like that problem is lost on most people because they're just putting on horns and running around or forcing an entire city block to be vegan at gunpoint. Like, these are not the issues that we have to fucking <laughs> deal with. Right. Now, I've read one of Bunker's other books, Little Boy Blue, which is heavily based on his own time in the California Youth Corrections, and it's pretty upsetting for reasons most can probably imagine. Yeah, of you know, pre-pubes- or pubescent boys locked away, treated like animals. What the fuck you think is gonna fucking happen to these people? It's right, horrible. Right, it's terrible. But it does go a long way towards showing how easy it is to become part of the system, and once they got you, dude, they got you forever. Like, don't ever get arrested for anything major anybody who's listening they will never <laughs> don't let do you it go. don't break the law dude it's a it's it's a it's a money maker for them it's modern day slave labor anyway animal factory was made into a movie directed by steve buscemi starring edward furlong as decker and willem dafoe as as copen haven't watched it i'll be honest i'm not it's not super high on my list i watched the trailer doesn't look all that great but the book is good if you did <laughs> crime novels so animal okay. factory Edward Bunker, he's got a lot of good books. He, I mean, he only wrote like eight books before he died. His, I haven't read his bio, his autobiography. I do want to read it. It's called Mr. Blue, The Education of a Felon. So I want to check that one out. It's good. All stuff. right. Yeah. No, I added Animal Factory to my list. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get to it at some point in time. All right. So my number two is also a book. Well, look at us. Look at us. Synchronicities. So... Um, I would make the argument that, uh, the way that this guy describes some things in his book is a little bit like prison. Um, mostly the inmates running the prison, but not, but kind of just the, just the wild antics that go along with the, the, the conditions in which this person is working. I read this in a couple of days and it was really, uh, an impressive read and we talked about it before. And so my number two is kitchen confidential adventures in the culinary underbelly by Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> Dude, it was so fucking good. 
this is the thing is I don't expect to ever really pick up somebody's story or somebody's book. That's like uh, famous for one thing and expect them to do this well in another context. Like I remember the first time I had that experience was uh, Mick Foley's book, have a nice day, <laughs> which I remember being like super stoked about because it talked about like his time in Japan with like Japanese death matches and like how he lost his ear. Like it was really an interesting story for me. Like eat all over the book. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Every book comes with one of his teeth. (laughs) So so I I always kind of like it it really takes a lot for me to find the story interesting. And I had gotten this book as part of like a book of the month club that I was a part of for a little bit. And (laughs) I I had a script. I had a subscription like, you know, people will do like uh, like they'll do like certain subscriptions. I had a book of the month subscription where I would get a book every month. It was awesome. (laughs) Some of the books I've ever old lady. (laughs) So anyway, this is one of the book of the month club reads and he does this really great job of like kind of starting with how he was coming up working it, like how he like discovered how much he liked food. Um, He discovered that he liked trying food to spite his parents, (laughs) like, like, which is totally on track with who he is. Um, he talked about, like, you know, his drug addiction, and he doesn't spend a lot of time on it. He just kind of talks about how he's strung out working in these different kitchens in New York, um, how he becomes this executive chef in this one kitchen, and he, like, hires a bunch of his friends, and none of them are reliable, and they're all fucked up, and they'll get hurt and just spray blood on each other in the kitchen. <laughs> like, it's like and, a black metal kitchen. Yeah, it's like, it's just, it's so, like, ah, like, it's all this, like, craziness that goes along with working in, in kitchens. And he even talks about this one thing where, like, his lowest, he ends up getting looped into, like, a mafia-run kitchen shack, like a chicken shack. Um, and how he was, like, it was for sure mobbed up. I don't know how I got out of there, but here I am. Um, and, you know, and, and, and so he just does this really good job of discussing all of his training. And, like, he writes so well. He writes about food like it makes you want to eat all the food that he talks about. Like he, you could tell that he's passionate about it. You could tell that he really cares about what he does. You can tell that he kind of does it his own way. I mean, he talks about being in his kitchen, and while he goes into the calm kitchen of this one chef, he's like, I play the Ramones in my kitchen. Like, I go do this while you go do that. So this is my kitchen, and that's how you run yours. But um, and it's accurate. I mean, I've worked in food service, and, and the stuff that he talks about is absolutely it's it's so accurate. It's un it's unreal. I mean, I remember being like, yeah, you have to learn a specific language to talk to the cooks, like, and that's like a term of endearment when I'm like, fuck you, like, <laughs> we know what that means. Um, like like he would talk to one of his sous chefs and he'd be like, I need you to get this and I need you to go fuck yourself, um, <laughs> like, and so he talks like I'm like, oh my god, like we would work in his kitchen, like that would be a blast because we would get that language, we would survive um, in this place that he talks about survivors, uh, and so it's just a really great insight that I, I think is pretty unique compared to some of the stuff you'll see out there. Kitchen Confidential is on my list. I've read one of his other books because he wrote a fictional book centered in the in the yeah in a restaurant, but like it was like a murder mystery, but. He's a great writer, and it definitely is on my list. It has been for years. Yeah. Like, there were times where it just made me laugh out loud, and then sometimes you're just kind of bummed. But, like, for the most part, you're, it's just it's really just um, – if you've worked in food service, it's a really great depiction of what that looks like. But yeah. if you've never worked in food service, this will give you an idea of what it's really like. 
Dude, I met him real briefly. Did you? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> a certain person who shall remain nameless that I used to date went to culinary school and was obsessed with him, which fine, whatever. And uh, he did a book signing in Orlando and we went and we both walked nice. up and she got the book signed. And I was like, hey, Mr. Bourdain. He's like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, all right i didn't have much to say it's like what am i gonna say like i love your show dude oh it's great right <laughs> right i, yeah, I, I cool wouldn't know what to say because he was just sort of sitting there you know he maybe he was hungover well no i guess he was no he wasn't sober was he i don't know but he was just kind of like yeah this is whatever i don't give a shit about this <laughs> he's yeah that's how that's how he is like he's like fucking whatever i'll go to the next kitchen like he does that all the time it's it's fucking great so are we at number ones number one number one for my number one i guess i'm just gonna say i'm going with this active listening ah yeah i like it okay so i recently came to the conclusion that there are certain things in my life that i like to do listen to music and read but it seems like I'm always doing something else while I'm doing both of those two things, which I've done for years without any additions, you know. And, and and then when I became, I guess probably about the time that I got a phone, I guess I got used to several things at once, thinking I could multitask, but I'm not very good at it. And it became the only time I would really listen to music was like I'm driving or I'm working on the computer uh, the only time I was reading was like I was taking a shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of time sometimes, so you know that's yeah. a good time to knock out a chapter or two. But it shouldn't be the only place that you read, you know. Or I'm eating. Right. I'm like sitting and eating and reading at the table, like you know, like an animal. And I recently made the decision that I was going to, especially with music, to actively listen again. So here's what I did. Over the past couple of years, I've actually been buying LPs. And behind me is like the LPs that I'm not listening to because they've just been right. sitting there forever. I have a right. huge stack over here now that is just stuff I've acquired over about a year. Some of it's classic, some of it's new. And it's just stuff that I was like, I want that. So it's like a mix of like metal, there's some hardcore, there's some rock, there's some southern rock, there's just some like weird shit. And it's all stuff that. I have sort of queued up and like whenever I have the time or whenever I feel like it, I sit down cause I got a brand new turntable mm-hmm. and I got brand new speakers, these little studio monitors and I hooked it all up and it's the first time I've had a working record player in a long time. And I was excited. I couldn't believe it. I was like, Oh, I'm so excited to listen to my records again. And yeah. I sat down and the first, what was the first record I popped in to sort of christen the player? Um, Oh, it was the first Black Sabbath record, self-titled Black Sabbath. Awesome. And it's not that I've never heard the record before. Of course I have. I've heard that in Paranoid a lot. The other ones I don't know as well. But I'm sitting there for the very first time and I'm staring at the cover and I'm looking at the sheet, and there's no lyrics. It's just an old like uh, ad yeah. for Columbia House. <laughs> but I'm just looking at that because it came in the record, and yeah. I'm listening and I'm absorbing. And for the first time in a long time, I had like a real experience with a record. And then the next night, I did it again. 
And the next night I did it again. I was just picking up different records. It was just, I don't, it's not that I have to listen to every single thing in that stack, but like, I'm just picking stuff out of it. It's like, I haven't heard this in a long time, or I've never heard this on vinyl. I've never sat and focused on this. Right. I listened to when the kite string pops, the acid bath record. It's oh yeah. Yeah. Four LPs. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> the lyrics are one unbroken block of text. But I enjoyed it, and I, I got a vibe that I didn't get from just listening to it. And while that may sound to most people like, of course, it's just been a long time since I've experienced it. I used to listen to music like that. I used to sit with a 7-inch or an LP or a CD or even a cassette way, way back, and I would yeah. absorb it. Okay, It was also because I could afford less music, so I only had you know a little stack, and I would know it like the back of my hand. Now, of course, obviously behind me, I have fucking tons of disposable income. All my fucking shoes are over here. It's just like I have so much fucking music, but I'm just in a space where I'm just content to listen to it as I feel like listening to it and actively focus and absorb it. I sat here the other night and I listened to Remission. The Mastodon record. Dude, it's so fucking good. And, like, I noticed that I was noticing things about it that I never noticed before. Because, I've, you know, I, I, I've listened to that record. I've listened to that one in Leviathan a good, a good amount over the last fucking, like, 15, 20 years. Yeah. But I never really sat with it and, like, hmm. And I'm listening to it. And, I'm and, and you know, for a podcast that's about music, you know, it, it's something that I, I owe I owe to myself and probably to anybody who listens to really dig into these things. And I'm listening and I'm like, the whole album has such an animal. Im- it's so heavy with animal imagery and I'm listening. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm imagining, I'm kind of zoning out and imagining the toms as like hoof beats. And I'm just <laughs> right. Like, I'm like, this is cool. I haven't felt this in a long time. Like I haven't had a record take me someplace in a long time. Sure. I've sat and I've listened to something. I'm like, this is fucking great. It's fucking awesome. But I wasn't listening. I wasn't actively listening. So yeah. that is not a New Year's resolution because I don't do those. But it's it's a commitment I've made. And it's something I've really enjoyed. And I've probably over the last two weeks, I've had like five nights where I could sit and just listen to a couple of records. And yeah. it was really cool. And and I've, I've actually begun buying more music. I, I always bought music. I bought music a lot back in the day. Then I had kind of like a period where I just downloaded shit because I was lazy. But now I'm starting to buy records again from labels and distros. I ordered some records from Josh Dead Tank. That was cool. I got those already. I ordered some shit from Earache. I got yeah. I got uh, Slaughter of the Soul, the LP. It's it's not it's not like a special pressing. It's just I have the CD, but I wanted the LP. Right. And I got um uh I got fucking Wolverine Blues because I already have Left Hand Path. And Earache's about to re-release um, Clandestine, or Clandestine, excuse me. And those are the three Entombed records that are fucking like, so, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and the other cool thing. So my mom had a massive record collection when I was a kid. Zeppelin, The Who, The Beals, she had it all. And when we moved to Maine on that ill-fated trip that I mentioned <laughs> right. several episodes ago, she sold a lot of it. The only thing she kept was her Beatles records. My mom has original Beatles, every Beatles record from the first to the last original. You know what she oh did? Oh my god! You know what she did Friday night? She gave them to me. I have oh. all of them, 
And I'm, I gotta admit, I'm not the biggest Beatles fan, but I understand the import of it. And there are Beatles records that I do genuinely find interesting and enjoy. Like I like the weirder shit, like Sgt. Pepper and the White Album, and right. like, it's got all the inserts, all the original shit. Abbey Road, Let It Be. So like I'm pretty stoked on that, and it's just cool because now I'm I'm collecting records again, and not that I'm just buying them and sticking them on the shelf. I'm enjoying them again. Right. Which is pretty cool, and I got a lot of records now on my list that I, I want to buy or I'm overdue to buy, but I would like to say this to any listeners out there. I have four doubles of these Beatles records. I have a double. It's not an original. I have two represses of the first two Beatles records, Meet the Beatles, and then the second album. They're sealed um, represses. They're not originals, but I do have two doubles and i believe they're original lps of abbey road and let it be so i may be willing to part with the doubles just okay. I, would, I wouldn't rip anybody off but i'm just saying out there i know that they're tough to get because are you they, are you hawking <laughs> merchandise I, i'm just saying it's not every day that you get your hands on something like this i know they're not it's not like they're worth thousands of dollars i'm just saying like you go into a record store and you're not going to find abbey road in the used section I got two of them, so maybe if anyone wants it, <laughs> hit me okay, up. That's okay. all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I'm just stoked on listening to records in this way again. And you know what? I might even get a little CD player again, because just because it doesn't have to be vinyl, as long as I sit with it and I read and listen to it, the shit, and I listen to it. I got a little. I can hook it up to my speakers. It would. Be, it'd be great. I'm. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. All right. That's I like I really like that. Like um to being intentional about the stuff you consume. Yeah, you I mean you kind of have to be because there's so much of it. And I and I've been trying to read more intentionally too. I have like a couch in my office now, so I kind of try to sit there. And sometimes you have to sit and make yourself sit. And I know that sounds fucked up in the opposite of it, but it's like the more you do it, the more you're just like, "Oh, I'm good. I'm just sitting and reading. I'm yeah. set and I'm reading." Yeah, no, I you know I just bought a reading chair and I have a lamp. Like I have like a I have it like set up so that like I can sit and read because it, it yeah. really does make a difference. Like if I'm sitting on my couch or if like I'm like trying to lay down and read, like I can't do that. But if I'm sitting in my reading chair, I'm like, I'm like in it. I'm zoned in. Yeah, <clears throat> it's important. Absolutely. So it's a good number one, man. Um, so my number one, um does require you to be intentionally paying attention because it's so fucking sinister and dark that you'll miss it. Okay. If you don't pay attention. Are you taking um, it down in flames this time? No, 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 no. No, this is so good. And I think in and legitimately, I think that you would actually really like this thing. Um despite kind of your your uh current opinions about the product. So, um my number 1 is a television show Called WandaVision. It seems interesting. I'll give it that. It seems very it is fucking bonkers. It's not interesting. It is. It is just ridiculous. So, if you're not familiar, WandaVision is the kickoff for Phase Four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is the first official thing that's come out. Um, well, not the first official thing, because there was Spider-Man. Spider the, the last Spider-Man, Far From Home, was like the la the first thing after Endgame. Mm. But this is like the first in the new phase that's gonna establish new villains and kind of a new story arc and all that stuff. Um phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe kicks off with this 
show. Um, and this is the first time they've done like their own Marvel Studios show where it's been in the Marvel Studios house in Disney, like kind of like it's it's been kind of under control of all that. Where before the Netflix one was Marvel Studios, but it wasn't really Marvel Studios and yeah. so on and so forth. So anyway, the premise is this. Scarlet Witch, who is Wanda Maximoff from the movies, mm-hmm. and Vision have moved to a little town called Westview. Um, and they are living this quiet life trying to hide their powers and just blend in like normal folks. The first two episodes are filmed like they, they so far the episodes are filmed like different decades sitcoms. So they're filmed yeah. like the first episode is filmed like Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> and it's like even it's like the black and white, it's grainy, like the jokes. There's they filmed in front of a live studio audience, so there are like actual like you hear people laughing at the jokes and stuff like that. The practical effects for it are like really bad. Um, like it looks like the thing like like things that are floating around are floating around on strings and stuff. And it's like they do a good job. It's genuinely it, I mean, it it mirrors those shows so well. Um, but then there are these weird moments that take these really dark, strange, sinister turns. Um, it's these weird turns of phrase. It's these weird like stop moments, these pauses, these like looks on the actors' faces like something is wrong. Like something is not right about where they're at. And if you follow the Marvel Universe, you know that Vision is dead, so it doesn't make sense that he's in this space. How could he be? Yeah, I thought Vision was dead. Everybody thought Vision was dead, but is he? We don't know. So, as the show goes on, though, like, the first episode is, like, kind of uncomfortable, but the second uh, the second show, like, the second episode gets a little bit weirder, and you hear these weird phrases. Like, somebody says, uh, the devil's in the details, and then one of the main characters leans over and goes... That's not the only place he's at. Like, kind of like this, like offhanded comment. And you're like, is the devil involved in this? Like, <laughs> there's all this weird stuff, like radio frequencies coming in, like, like people that shouldn't exist. It's just a whole bizarre thing, but it's really fucking dark. Um, and it doesn't feel good. Like, it's a great show. And it's filmed really well and it's written really well and it's a lot of fun. But like, there are moments where you're like, oh, like I, there is something seriously upsetting about this and unsettling about this like they're my favorite thing is he goes out to talk to his neighbor and he's like oh hey herb and the guy's like oh hey nice to see you like you're kind of going back and forth and then he goes oh it looks like you trimmed the hedges too close because the guy's got his like head trimmer but he's like sawing into a cinder block wall <laughs> and he goes and, he, and the guy just stops and he goes yeah i guess i did and he keeps sawing and just staring at vision like uh like it's fucking weird um <laughs> And it's just done so well. So right now they've done 50s, 60s, and 70s. So right now they're in the 70s, and then the next episode will probably be closer to the 80s. Like, they finally just got to color. Um, And it's just bonkers. So what do you think is happening? Why are they trapped in this weird world? As I could could throw out a guess from being an uneducated Marvel person, but... What is your guess? What are they... Are they in the Mojo-verse? Oh God, that would be awesome. The X Men um, villain? No, I don't think they are. I think so. In the comics, that would be fucking rad, though, because um, they See, are talking I about know bringing what I'm the X Men. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be really. Uh, that would be a fucking stretch, though. Like, um, only because that's such a like they haven't even introduced the X Men. Yeah. Yet, so 
Um, I think what's happening is that uh, Scarlet Witch is has not dealt with her trauma because there's like some different things. Like they do like these really bizarre commercials, like Stark toasters and um, and Strucker watches, and like all the stuff that has to do with like things that have happened to Scarlet Witch in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's just a way that she's dealing with trauma, like losing. Because I mean, think about this: like since Wanda has shown up, since Scarlet Witch has shown up in the Marvel universe, she has been tortured by Hydra. She was almost blown up by Tony Stark's missiles. That's where that's where they that's where Hydra found her. Um, she was almost blown up by Tony Stark. She was tortured by Hydra. She was given these powers. Her brother is shot and killed. She was her 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 love of her life was like had his head smashed by Thanos. And then which one was the love of her life? Vision. Oh, Vision. Okay. She blows up a group of people by accident during an during like some some recon mission. Um, and then she gets dusted by Thanos. So like all the stuff has happened to her in her very short life. So I think it's just a matter of her, like kind of dealing with her trauma. Mm. I think what they're doing is they are doing this, doing the, the kind of the storyline, like house of M where she just kind of like loses it and then erases all mutants. Um, so, so are they going to use her to introduce the X-Men? I think so. Hmm. But they're also, but I think they're they're using her to introduce the devil. They're <laughs> using her to introduce um, like different characters. I think they are going to bring in some of the X Men because they talked about like Evan Peterson's Quicksilver is going to be maybe in the show. Um, Doctor Strange might be in the show because Sam Raimi is directing the new Doctor Strange movie, the multiverse, the yeah of madness, yeah the these the the Marvel horror film that they're doing. You know, I I know I talk a lot of shit. I don't mean most of it. I wish I had kept up with it because now it seems like an insurmountable task to catch up with all those movies. You only need a couple. Well, you've seen all of them, right? Uh, Multiple times, yeah. (laughs) Did you watch all the Netflix TV series too? Yeah. Even Luke Cage and um, the fucking fucking uh, weird one. I know Luke Cage was cool, but what was the one that sucked? The weird one. Uh, Iron Fist. Yeah, Iron Fist. Well, Iron Fist was weird because it's like a spoiled white kid who gets like trapped in the mountains in a plane crash and then has to take the heart out of a dragon to become a ninja warrior. Yeah, that's weird. I like Iron Daredevil. Fi- Iron Fist is weird. Daredevil was sick. That was so great. All those bad they- and the and the when they introduced the Punisher in the second one and he like killed all those dudes in the cell block. That was like one of yeah. the sickest things. I, that was like a goddamn john woo movie that was like old boy it was crazy yeah well i think they figured out that they are going to introduce them into the marvel universe too they filmed uh they filmed daredevil it has a scene in the new spider-man movie that's coming out oh really okay Uh uh-huh and they think jessica jones is going to be in the she-hulk show god there's so much shit they're doing yeah dude it's bonkers they're doing a blade movie yeah i heard isn't mahershala gonna play blade that's sick, yes. dude. He's going to yeah. be fucking right. Um, what's his name? Um, the guy that plays Poe in Star Wars is going to be Moon Knight. Oh, yeah. That's going to be cool, too. Moon Knight's yeah. great. He's like yeah. Bruce Wayne if he was way crazier and fucking way more violent. Uh-huh. Yeah, if Bruce Wayne had split personalities. Yeah. <laughs> if, so, if Batman wasn't insane enough for you. Yeah. Batman with disassoci- uh, dissociative identity disorder. Like, imagine Batman thinking he's different people. You know, I have no special powers. I'm just rich and nuts. Just <laughs> rich and nuts. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. So anyway, that's my number one, WandaVision. It is, it's fucking my mind. I, I don't know how to put it other than that. 
I really like the idea that they're doing the sitcom thing. See, that's that's a really interesting idea to me. So obviously they got some smart ass people in those writers rooms. Well, in in what's really great about it is it it feels like those sitcoms. Like they do a really good job feeling like those sitcoms and ha- and like the humor of it and stuff. Yeah. But there are just these small moments where you go, ooh. Well, we like all that. know I love the sixties uh, and seventies sitcoms. That's what I'm telling you. You would you would dig it. Archie Bunker comes out, starts saying racist shit, and then Vision like melts his head. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what would happen. Or one or one would go no, and just rewind it, and then Archie Bunker wouldn't exist. <laughs> All right, I do count down. I do count down. At number five, Godzilla versus Kong. Obviously going to be way better than The Notebook. <laughs> number four, sometimes I need to give myself a break because I think I'm better at my job sometimes than I think I am. Mm-hmm. Number three, weird scenes inside the canyon. I wish there was an exclusive neighborhood where instead of hippies, crust punks live and the CIA tried to weaponize them, but then put them all in jail because they smell like shit. (laughs) Number two, Animal Factory. Don't be a punk. Get your cheeks busted by other punks. So say if Big Herc, who is not in this book. And number one, (laughs) active listening. Sit still and shut up. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. Number five, The Hope Conspiracy, Death Knows Your Name, Dread the Whore, Dread the Consequences, The Poor Me's Fall to Their Knees. Number four, Quesadilla Sandwiches, Take Your Favorite Foods and Make Them Handheld. (laughs) Number three, Black Flag, Let a Chainsaw Loose in a Steel Factory. Number two, Kitchen Confidential, For Any Chef Who Has a Thing Against Vegetarians. And number one, WandaVision, um, what? Good Liz, good Liz, good Liz. Yeah, it was a good week. It was a good week. This one, this one ran a little long, huh? Yeah, dude. That's fine. That's fine. So we'll save everybody time. Um, if you let's do let's do our patrons. Let's shout out to our patrons. Patron. All right, Eichel Mosborn, <laughs> Pam Sardom, Crora Losby, Nate Keel, Anelia An- Andrews, Fathew Misher. Cressica Jane, <laughs> Cario Mipriano, Christian Curley, Crancy Nozier, and Lemily Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. If you would like to be a Patreon, we we are um, sharing videos now. We are going to have, um, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to record our first bonus episode, Talk Among Us. Um, which we're going to talk about the Waffle House story. Um, that's the thing that everybody's been digging. Um, so if you would like to be a Patreon and get access to that bonus episode, um, that will be out and it will be fun. And uh, it'll just be a pretty short episode, but that's just kind of chit-chatting about the whole scenario and whatnot. Yeah, and after we drop uh, the first talk among us, we'll be doing them every month after that. Right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Sweet. That's the goal. That's the monthly, goal. So- monthly bonus episode. Yeah, four Patreons. Four Patreons. So, other than that, uh, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? Nope. All right. So, uh, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on I don't 
want to hear it pod on Instagram, uh, on Twitter, on IDWHA podcast, on Facebook. I don't want to hear a podcast. Um, you can email us at oldpunksvstheworld at gmail.com. Uh, we may change that email at some point in time to make it easier and match the formatting, but we Jeez. haven't done that yet. Um, if you would like to purchase our books or check out our publishing company, we are at wndpress.com. Uh, we are currently accepting submissions for a an author for a for a uh, an anthology of Florida authors. So if you are from Florida and you would like to submit some writing, whether it's a short story or a poem um, or anything like that, uh, we are accepting those still, um, and it's going to be a cool one. I think we've got a name for it and a cover and everything. So yeah, uh, if good. you'd like to email us. Yeah, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at um, wndpress at gmail.com as well um, to send those submissions or ask about possible publishing. Yep. And if you go to our website, uh, I don't want to hear a podcast.com, click the link you came from the beach to check out all our old bands. There's pictures and videos and music. Some of our better bands are on Spotify, Apps and Friends, We're Not Dead, Years from Now. There are links in the show description along with links to all the bullshit that we bullshitted about. Uh-huh. So that's going to do it for us this week, and we will be back next week with another episode. So until then, annihilate this week. And good night, Taco Bell Joe, wherever you are. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I'm too tired to even think about what Taco Bell Joe's thinking. It's okay, buddy. I understand. <laughs> it's been a long week, buddy. Here's, here's some cinnamon twists. It's Tuesday. Ah, oh, fuck, man. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's see that's so, so for all for all the degrees that I have I can't even keep up with time and I'm just exhausted. And there all it time. is again. There it is again. Hey, you know what, buddy? We we know you're a doctor. Okay, buddy. <laughs> Harry, you don't have to tell everybody, doctor. We got it the first time. For somebody who doesn't like being called doctor, you tell people you're a doctor a lot. <laughs> all right. All right.